It takes a bit of a blend of art and science to get baking just right, and having extra eyes, ears, and hands can make a big difference along the way. That's where AB Maori North America comes into play. We're the team behind industrial and artisan bakers that help optimize success. We'll discuss more on this episode of The Oven Light. So let's get going. Flip the switch. Well, welcome back, everybody. It is a new year, and we've got new people on the podcast, The Oven Light. So, hey, let's get right into it. Flip the switch. The Oven Light is now on. So today, we've got a great guest, right? This is our our first program in January of 2024. Um, This gentleman has an incredible story. It involves a little bit of dreaming, a little dream making, and going big. He's a former Major League Baseball pitcher whose path was highlighted by the film The Rookie, even portrayed by legendary actor, one of my favorites, uh, Dennis Quaid. Today, he is a respected author and motivational speaker. I, I said the word dream making, but the book is actually called Dream Makers. And all the way from the San Antonio area, let's welcome Jimmy Morris. Jimmy, hey, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Rick. Thank you. So let's let's jump into it right away. You, your story is is so compelling, and for those that maybe haven't seen the film, but I'm telling you what, you'll spend two hours of your time if you watch The Rookie. It's a Disney film. It's a feel good, and it's true, and it's all true. So you are a high school baseball coach. You make a little bit of a deal with your district winning team. You guys win the title, and I'll go try out for the major leagues at 35 years old, and you're throwing upper 90s. I mean. How cool of a story is that? Doesn't it sound like a Hollywood script? It does. And and Dennis was asked numerous times, if this wasn't true, would you have done this? And he said, absolutely not. He goes, that's what makes it so intriguing. It happened. We talked to the kids and we talked to everybody in town and we know it's 100% true. And so to have Dennis stand up like that in front of everybody and go, yeah, I wouldn't have done this if, if it had not happened. And I'll tell you, Rick, I wake up the day, I'll be 60 in two days. And I still, and at times when I'm like, did all that really happen? And you know, time just flies by and you're like, did I take that bet? Did I make it? 19, 20, 21, I threw 88 miles an hour. 29 years old, I had a surgery. The doctor cut all this muscle out of my arm. You'll never pitch again. And then these kids challenged me and I go to the tryout and I'm throwing 98 to 100. And I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> and this is the second thing I thought was, and I'm going to get sued because I've been throwing 98 to 100 at my kids. And, you know, they thought it was hilarious, but they were hitting me by the end of the year. And I thought, I'm not throwing hard. They're hitting me everywhere. But they were right and I was wrong. It's incredible. Let, let me ask you this. So let's go back to like when you're a kid and, you know, did you ever, you know, fantasize you're on the hill in the big game or maybe it's you're at the plate and it's bases loaded, 3-2 count and all that. And here you are pitching against the Rangers for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Yeah, in three short months. And the first time I spent five and a half years and six surgeries trying to get out of the minors, never got out of A-ball quit for 11 years kids challenge me i come back and at 35 i make my debut and i'll tell you this rick and i've told some people this if i would have got that dream when i was 19 or 20 i would not have respected it like i did when i was 35 because i knew what life was like and i knew what family life was like and i knew what hard work was like and there's so much life in between a and b 
you don't want to miss anything when you get a second chance like that. Well, you had a little maturing, I guess, between that that 19 years old to mid-30s, didn't you? There's a lot of stuff that happens in your career, a lot of stuff that happens with family and marriages and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and life is hard, and it doesn't matter what dream you're chasing, what job you have. You've got to work at everything you have, and it all starts at home. All right, so I'm going to try to mix in a little baking here, right? We talk about ingredients, right? We we make uh, Fleischmann's yeast and other ingredients, and and your your subtitle for the book says "Surround yourself with the best to be your best," which tells me you got to have the right ingredients to to be successful. And sometimes you need other people in your corner, or you need the right circumstances. What do you what do you mean by that? Surround yourself with the best to be your best. I think everybody's talented in something different, and if we have people around us who are all talented and keep coming up with ideas, somebody's gonna come up with the challenge and take it up and go find that solution to that. And for you, the bread rises. Well, the cream's gonna rise to the top too. And so when you have people who push you to be better for no other reason they wanna see you be better, that's who you want on your team. You don't want the people who are gonna quit or if they're told no once, we can't achieve that, it's not possible. Anything's possible. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. You can achieve anything. You have to have more heart and a better plan. I love it. So uh, is it fair to say you'd rather have somebody who's got more heart than maybe more talent? Absolutely, because that person with more heart's more willing to learn. That's a, that's a great point. All right. So we have this thing here we call the hot pan questions. We got a couple of hot, hot pan questions we're going to fire at you right away. Uh, favorite baked good? Bread. What, what kind of bread? And give me the situation or if there's a certain restaurant or a certain setting or maybe something growing up and you're like, this was the best bread ever. Sourdough bread is my favorite. I love warm sour bread and sourdough bread, and I love butter. <laughs> That's a great answer. You're a, you're a good American. You know? <laughs> All right, here's the next one, and you're not you're not expecting this one, but it is baseball related. Is a hot dog a sandwich? There's been debates on what's really a sandwich. You know this and that. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Wow, I <laughs> never contemplated that before but it's between two pieces of bread so why not amen i love it okay so let's say this what do you put on a hot dog if you go to a ball game what are you putting on there oh mustard and sauerkraut wow all right we're nailing them today jimmy i love this lastly last one tell me about seeing yourself on your your first big league baseball card and i've seen several of them out there how exciting was that was it just surreal absolutely surreal and you know, I was so rich when I left teaching to go play baseball that my first spring training, I stayed at extended stay. The trainers told me, they said, you had cards delivered to your room today. And I get back to my room and I'm supposed to sign all these cards. And it was like 10,000 cards. And I thought, I was in a classroom last year teaching science to kids in the middle of West Texas. And now this card's going to go everywhere. Yeah, I was blown away. That's pretty cool. So, okay, so you were teaching science. What what grades and what kind of stuff, what were some of the subject matter uh, pieces that you were, you were passing on to your students? Well, anatomy and physiology for more than one reason, because mainly I've had so many surgeries that I pretty much knew everything to begin with. Biology, physical science, and even a little chemistry in there. And I love teaching kids because when you teach kids, they are more, more receptive and more open than people our age. What were the grades for that? What years? Nine through 12. Nine through 12. Okay, so you're teaching high school. I mean, yeah, that's that's impressive across the board. That's a heck of a mix. 12th graders are different than ninth graders, aren't they? Absolutely. Ninth graders are out of their mind. 12th graders have learned how to be sneaky about it. <laughs> 
that's pretty good. I don't know. I, I don't know if you're, you're finger pointing at some of us listening to the program. So if, if you're if you're just tuning in or listening in, we've got Jimmy Morris, a great movie called The Rookie, it has a book called Dream Makers. It's all about, you know, being your best, surrounding yourself with people that can help make you successful. So let's, you know, we talk about successful. I mean, you talk about this relationship that you've had with Dennis Quaid, right? Great actor, has starred in a number of movies about sports, and certainly he's got a love about that. But you guys have a, a deeper relationship just than somebody playing you on screen, right? We do. When we did the filming, we became friends. And I would go in at night in Austin and listen to him play after he had filmed all day. Personally, I wondered how he stayed up 20 hours a day. But then we did the screenings all across America because Disney was worried if we rate this movie G, nobody's gonna, no adult's going to want to sit through it. So they sent us around the country meeting all these people, introducing the movie, letting him watch it. And as we did this, there were days that he would be on top of his game and he would take over. And there were days when I would be on top of my game and I would take over. And we just made a good team. And more than that, I think we respect each other because we've both made mistakes and we've both done great things. And life's a combination of that. Like I said, life is hard. And I think it just resonated with both of us. The night we won the ESPY Awards, the best compliment he ever gave me, he was going to, to one party and I was going to another one with Shauna. And he called me over after we had won and done all our pictures. And he hugs me and he goes, I just want you to know you helped turn my career around. I think that's probably the best compliment I've ever gotten. That's pretty impressive. And, and you guys are both Texas guys too, right? We are. He's from Houston. It's kind of a different state into itself. But yeah, we're from Texas. Uh, that's impressive. And uh, you talk about surrounding yourself with good people. And it sounds like that's worked both ways for you and and Dennis. So let's talk about branding, right? I mean, branding is really important to me. And I know we, we've kind of touched on this a little bit before, but it's fun to watch movies and certain things that stand out to you. In the movie, The Rookie, you see the uh, the part where he's, he's throwing at the railroad tracks. He's changing the diaper, you know, before he goes out in the pouring rain and, and throws some fastballs. And then there's one that I just, I couldn't get out of my head was this whole Jiffy Lube hat. You know, you talk about branding and, and making a statement and all that. Tell me how that, you know, that, that came to life. And was there any truth to that? Or was that just a little bit of fun? You know what? I wore all kinds of hats, but Jiffy Lube was not one of them. We didn't even have a Jiffy Lube where I lived. It was just one of those things. And they wanted their name in the movie and whatever they did with Disney, they did. But I will tell you one thing that happened. Russell Athletics also endorsed our movie. And their head spokesman was Hank Aaron, my childhood hero, and everything that he had gone through to get to be where he went, even though there were threats all the time. And so he and I get to close the bell, closing bell at stock market one day. And I get to tell him that when I was 10 years old, I watched him at Fenway Park and he signed baseballs for my team. And then I told him, I said, did you see, did you see the Sandlot movie? He said, yeah, I saw that movie. They said, I sandlotted your ball. <laughs> I lived in Connecticut. It snowed. We ran out of balls. I said, I got one. It was ruined in 30 seconds. Pats me on the back with the heartiest laugh I've ever heard. Absolutely one of the nicest people I've ever met. And when you have someone you look up to your entire life, especially from the time you're 9, 10, 11 years old, and they end up being better than you thought they would be, that's just cool. It's, it's the best thing. And so did he ever sign another ball for you? No, he laughed. He goes, I already signed one. That's classic. Well, you, you know, besides Hank Aaron, I mean, legend and one of the best of all time. Tell me about, I, you know, it has to do with 
you know, being there for the movie The Rookie, you also had a pretty special dinner, I believe, with a number of other legends. Tell us a little bit about that. For whatever reason, we didn't know at the time, but people were coming around from Disney and talking to Dennis separately and me separately and us together. And all right, if you could have anybody for dinner you wanted in the history of baseball, who would it be? And so we're just naming people and he's, you know, a little bit older than me. And so he's got a different group of guys than I do. And as we start naming guys, come to find out the night before the world premiere, he and I have dinner at the 21 club in New York with 21 hall of famers. And I played 22 games in the big leagues. Okay. And I don't, gripe about everything else, I got to be there. But the person who asked me for my autograph absolutely floored me. Willie Mays asked for my autograph, and I thought, you have got to be kidding me. And it was just an amazing moment and time, and you get to spend time with all these guys who did this at the top of their game that only 1% of the 1% can play, and they did it for so long and so well that they're in the Hall of Fame. You take in everything you can. Now, I'm just like wanting to take pictures and shake hands and hug people. And my agent's going around pointing at people going, in the eighth inning when the count was three and two and there was a guy on second base, you hit 355. And I'm like, that was 1950, dude. How do you remember that? (laughs) Different people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, you don't get 21 Hall of Famers together unless there's maybe a Hall of Fame ceremony in the summer, right? That's right. And you got to pay a lot of money to be there, but to have all these guys there and signing stuff for my kids and other things, they're like, how many kids do you have? And tell them and they would sign stuff. I wasn't even asking for it. It was one of the best moments of my life because I got to see baseball history. And then, and then I got to see the guys that I live baseball history with and baseball has come a long way, but you know what? It's still a game that brings cities together. And it's still one of the best games this country has ever seen, and I love it. Well, okay, you talk about baseball's gone through a lot, and it's got some changes, right? We've seen uh, introduction of larger bases, no more shifts. Um, We've seen the Dodgers spend about a billion dollars, right, (laughs) on some new players. Pitch clocks, batter clocks, all that kind of stuff. What are you liking? What are you not liking? What's, What's impacting you? What do you think about Shohei Otani? I mean, there's a lot in that question, but I'll let you unpack it. I think Shoei Altani could retire right now and be in the Hall of Fame just simply because of a two-player person who can do both at the top of his game, even on the same night, and be able to concentrate on both of those when most people have a hard time with one. And he just goes out and does it so well. I think baseball, for me, has seen us through wars, depressions, recessions, civil unrest. It's been with us through everywhere. And now it's a world game. We have players from everywhere. And just to be able to watch people go out and have fun playing the game they love and and, and coincidentally getting paid a crud load of money to do it. <laughs> These guys are so young and so talented. You know, the analytics, the, the, the time clocks, the bases, anything to make the sport safer. The thing that's bothered me the most is not being able to come inside on somebody and give them, you know what, that part of the plate's mine, you're going to back up. We've become less aggressive, and I don't like that. I like being aggressive because when you're aggressive, good things happen. Sure. Well, I mean, you, you remember the days I live in St. Louis, so, of course, Bob Gibson, right? He wanted to own the inside of the plate. Now, if you get a little too close, somebody says something about somebody else's mama and things get out of hand. But, no, you're absolutely right because there, there is a strike zone and there are edges of the plate and all that, but certainly has impacted the game in terms of how you throw now. Absolutely, it has. And it's, it's only getting better. I'll tell you, I am so impressed with the shape 
that these athletes are in now and, and what they can do. The thing that gets to me the most, analytics. So if you swing the bat like this and you hit the ball at a, so much of an angle, this is what you do. Okay, you hit 30 home runs, but you hit 200. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, you know, I, I, I do agree 100% with that. Sometimes we're so focused on on launch angles and 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 so on and so forth. It's it's a little little crazy, right? You know, it, we're we're so focused on the long ball and and the power versus a guy like Tony Gwynn, right? Who who rarely struck out, who always hit for an incredible average, who did more for his team than probably anybody ever realized. Absolutely. And one of the best talents because he was so good at what he did. And you knew what he was going to do and you still couldn't stop him. So that's that's just part of the game. And the analytics on the pitcher side of it, because I got to pick on both sides, right? Somebody can throw 102 miles an hour and get lit up like a Christmas tree. And then somebody else comes out, Maddox, back in the day with the Braves. Tim Wakefield, right? You know, 81, 82, 83, uh, inch off the plate, two inches off the plate, and then they start getting people to chase stuff, and then throw whatever they want. You can't figure that into analytics because that doesn't fit. That doesn't have spin revolution and how quick the ball gets from your fingertips to the plate. And so I think we've lost part of the art of the baseball. So let's talk about you, uh, the pitcher. When you made it the major leagues and you were throwing upper 90s, what was your arsenal, I guess, of pitches? And was your out pitch the heat? Or did you have something else that you you dazzled and, uh, and got people to swing away at? You know, our pitching coach and manager at the time, Rothschild in Tampa, said you have a breaking ball as good as I've ever seen. He goes, but we want you for your fastball. And I could throw a fastball that tailed in, a cutter. I could throw one that tailed out, one that sank. And then you get the explosive one on those good nights when you feel it coming off your fingertips. You get it to rise, and it just explodes when it gets there. And so there's four or five, six different fastballs. And then a slider that you throw from 83 to 91. The hitter doesn't know what's going on because sometimes, as even as a pitcher, you're like, I hope this breaks where I want it to. Everything's about timing in this game. Well, my favorite baseball player growing up was uh, was Willie Stargell, and he had a comment about playing with a round bat and a round ball, and they, they ask you to hit the ball squarely. <laughs> I mean, kind of an interesting take, isn't it? It is, but it's true. And just a quarter inch one way or the other down the middle of that bat is a pop-up or a ground out. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about Jimmy Morris, not the player now. Let's talk about the coach, right? Because you impacted a lot of these kids. You know, the Owls was was the name of your team. So uh, you stay in touch with some of these kids and the characters, and, and how have you seen that relationship kind of grow, you know, since everything kind of blossomed into this wonderful story? They have stayed in constant contact with me, and there was a point where I went through Parkinson's and brain surgery and – and I had some of my players show up at the ballpark in Arlington uh, when we did Parkinson's night, Michael J. Fox Foundation. And they drove all the way from West Texas just to come to that. And so that meant a lot to me. Then we had a foundation back in the teens. And those kids were a part of it. They collected baseball equipment for me so that we could go up and help retool uh, teams that, you know, in the same district in Texas, you have one team that would have 10 uniforms, artificial turf, 14 hats, 25 batting gloves. And then these kids in the same district 10 miles down the road don't have two bats on the team, and they got to scrape for baseballs. And so we got a bunch of people on board, including MLB and NFL, and we helped retool a inner-city school in Fort Worth. And when we did that, 
you got to watch the alumni come back out and plant trees and flowers. And, you know, we get so much more out of love than we do with hate. And we spend so much time on hate. And when you show the people you love them and you go out there and you're there for them, the good people, they're going to respect that. Well, those are really good words as as we've come out of a holiday week with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. week uh, and the holiday on Monday. And so we, we definitely appreciate those words. How do people find out a little bit more about you or, you know, what, uh, what are you up to nowadays? And, uh, and if they do want to read the book, how can they uh, get in touch with you? Uh, dreammakersbook.com or you can go to Amazon. Uh, you do the dot-com thing, you get it signed by me. If it goes through Amazon, I'm not signing it because I didn't get it. <laughs> but that's pretty easy. JimTheRookieMorris.com is also the website. And they can go there. They go to any speakers bureau because I'm pretty much with everybody. And look me up. And I never thought that I would be doing this uh, for a million years. And what are you going to do with the introverted person? Well, let's make a motivational speaker out of that person. And then you find out you can talk. And I think a lot of that goes back to my childhood and children are to be seen and not heard. And I took that to heart. And so I never talked. I was nice. I was polite. I did the right thing all the time, but I didn't talk. And so I was seen as stuck up or arrogant, but it wasn't that. I was just so shy. I didn't talk. And now I'm actually going out and speaking all over the world. Well, a little bit of a blessing too. I mean, you were a teacher too, so you had to be able to communicate there. Uh, but boy, the, uh, the the movie, The Rookie, is taking you in a whole unbelievable universe here. So uh, Jimmy, I have to say thank you for uh, for joining us. Loved having you on the program. And if you do have any questions, if you're listening out there, you're in your car, you're maybe in the office, maybe add the earbuds in. If you've got a question for, uh, for Jimmy, you can send it to the oven light at abmaori.com. Uh, if you do that, we can, we'll can we send some swag and send something your way. And if you've got a suggestion about the program in the future, again, uh, the oven light at abmaori.com. We appreciate you listening. And for now, this episode of the oven light is now complete. The switch is off and that's it. And we'll see you next time on the oven light. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the oven light. Until next time, when we discuss more about the wonderful world of baking technology, trends, and more, the switch is officially off. Goodbye for now. See you next time.